Well, hey, uh, we are continuing in our series talking about remembering the gospel. And we're three weeks in now. So if you remember, two weeks ago, Johnny told us about creation, right? And it starts there because, well, we're kind of part of it because we're the ones who messed it up. And so we had to be created, and then we went and jacked it up, right? And so we heard from Johnny about creation, and then we heard from Alex about the fall, when it all got messed up, when it kind of went downhill, right? We rebelled, we sinned, we did what God told us not to do. Ugh, oops. And so now we're in this position, right? We're in this spot, we're kind of stuck. We messed up, and now... Now what? What do we do? How do we come back from this? And that's why tonight we're going to be talking about redemption. Redemption. And I'm thankful because really, honestly, this is the best one. This is the best part, right? This is the big shebang, what it's all leading up to. So, hey, thanks, Johnny. I appreciate that, you know? So, uh, sorry, Alex. Um, So, yeah, I'm really excited because, I mean, this is what it's all about, right? This is what our lives, if we are a Christian, like this is it. This is the event. And if you think about it, the last two weeks when we've talked about creation in the fall, that takes up three chapters of the Bible. Three, creation in the fall. So that's not a lot of the Bible, right? And pretty much most of the rest of the Bible is about redemption, a large majority of it. Now, of course, I'm not going to read the whole rest of the Bible for you tonight. We'll be here a real long time. But there's a lot in there. There's a lot about our redemption because of how significant it is. Because of how significant it is. But I think sometimes when we think about redemption, when we think about that word, we probably often think of like a comeback story. We think of someone who maybe went to prison or is down on their luck or, um, you know, they they just don't have it made in life. They grew up in a rough home, a bad environment, et cetera, et cetera, and now they're in a position where they got to work real hard, right? They got to do something in order to make something of themselves, right? It's time for them to redeem themselves, make a comeback, right? That's probably a lot of times how we think about it. You might think about it similar to the movie Pursuit of Happiness. Now, if you've never seen the movie Pursuit of Happiness, it wouldn't surprise me because it came out in the early 2000s, so a lot of you probably haven't seen it, which makes me feel kind of old, not going to lie. But it's a really good movie, honestly, and Will Smith is the main character, and he plays this guy who's, who's down on his luck. He's in a bad spot. He's not doing well. He's working really, really hard at a really crappy dead-end job, not making enough money. He loses his his apartment, and he becomes homeless, and he's a single dad with a son. They're struggling. He can't make ends meet, and he gets this opportunity. He gets an internship, a very competitive internship at a stock brokerage firm, and if he does well in the internship, he will be a stockbroker, make very good money, and finally find success, right? And so there's an opportunity for him to redeem himself. And so I want you to see, spoiler alert, I want you to see the end of the movie. So check this out real quick. Chris, come.
Mr. Prime, good to see you. Nice shirt. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Chris. Hey, Jimmy. I thought I'd uh, wear a shirt today, um, you know, being the last day and all. Well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. But um, wear one tomorrow, though, okay? Because tomorrow's going to be your first day. If you'd like to work here as a broker. Would you like that, Chris? Yes, sir. Good. We couldn't be happier. So, welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no sir, it wasn't. Good luck, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. part of my life, this little part, is called happiness. So you watch that, right? And it feels good, right? There's, a, there's this like, yeah, he did it, right? There's this warm and fuzzy like, dang, like, yeah, man, you, you did it. You succeeded, you worked hard, and it paid off. But there's a problem. It's a lie. Sure, that happened to him. But does it happen to everybody? And I mean, think about it. You, you, you work and you work and you work and you work and then boom, you hit, you hit the peak. You get the moment of happiness. Then what? What next? What happens next? And, and you heard him say it. It's a moment. It's, it's, it's an emotion. It's short. It's quick. It happens and it's gone. If we live a life pursuing happiness, 
then we'll be running a never-ending race. Never-ending. Like, think about it. You get the job. You get a little bit of money. Okay, what do you get next? Oh, now you need to get a bigger house. Oh, now you need to get a bigger car. Then you need the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And when does it end? It doesn't. And so it's not fulfilling. It's just you keep running to nothing. It's a moment of emotion. And it's not real redemption. And on top of that, it doesn't solve our sin problem. Remember last week, all the sin we talked about, it's not just a matter of, oh, you make enough money, you buy your way into heaven. No, that's nowhere in the Bible. It doesn't work that way. And so we still have the problem of sin. And we are not capable of solving sin on our own. You can't work hard enough to solve the problem of sin. Let me dig deeper into that, right? Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 19, it says this. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want. I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that it is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. We cannot outwork sin. We can't because it has this much control over us that we are physically unable to beat it. I mean, look, he literally says, I can't do it. I do sin. I don't want to sin. I do it. I can't control it. I don't understand it. I am incapable. So that means we need a better redemption plan because our hard work is not going to cut it. We need something better. We need perfection. Sin is a permanent condition. Permanent. Can't get rid of it. And so we need a permanent and perfect solution. And so thankfully, this is where God comes in. This is where his redemption plan comes in. So what does, God redemption, what does God's redemption plan look like? It looks like this. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. In him, him being Jesus... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the righteousness or the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. This, that's it. Redemption plan. And, and don't miss it because this is literally the most important thing that's ever happened in the history of everything that's ever happened. This is it. And so let's break it down. Let's break down that redemption. First, we need Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. Remember, we need a perfect sacrifice for our sin. And thankfully, Jesus is just that. He's perfect. But the other problem that we come into, though, is that it needs to be human because we're humans and we have sinned. And therefore, Jesus needs to be perfect and God, and human. 
Because there's never been a perfect human, just like a regular old person like us, right? There's never been one and there never will be. And so thankfully, Jesus satisfies both. He is perfect because he is fully God, 100% God, and he is human, fully human, 100% human. Now, I know what you're thinking. Isaac, that's 200%. That don't make no sense. You need to go back to high school math class like me. I know it doesn't make sense. You're right, but that's because he's God. I'm a man. I can't explain exactly how that works to you because then I would be God, and I am not. And so, It's a little confusing. I don't know how he's fully man and fully God. I just know that he is. And so it satisfies both of the important pieces of redemption. We need a perfect sacrifice that is human. Jesus does both of those things. But the next part of the verse that you'll catch in there was his blood. It said, through his blood. Jesus had to die. He had to. The payment for sin is death. He had to die. And he didn't just die. Like, they didn't have, like, guns back then. They didn't just shoot him. Like, he not only died, but it was grueling. They whipped him and beat him and then made a cross out of a tree and hung him on it for hours. Like, brutality. He had to die. And shed blood, a lot of blood, to the point that when they checked to see if he was dead and they poked him in the side, no more blood came out. He had to die. And let's get Old Testament here, right? Because it's not just like God was like, "Uh, how do we fix this? Uh, uh, You got to die. It's deeper rooted than that. See, in Exodus, the Israelites, they were slaves to the Egyptians, and, and Moses kept going to Pharaoh, and he was like, you gotta, God says, let my people go. God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And so because he kept rejecting, his heart was hardened to God, God punished him. And he punished him with plagues. There was locusts, the river turns to blood, a couple different things. But the very last plague was the angel of death. And when the angel of death came, it would kill the firstborn in every household. Not just people, but livestock too. All the firstborn. But God said to the Israelites, I'm going to give you a way. I'm going to give you a sacrifice you can make, and so the angel of death will pass over and not kill your firstborn. And that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. It says this, they had to pick a lamb. And it said, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorsteps and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. So... In order for the angel of death to pass over and save them, they needed a perfect, unblemished lamb as a sacrifice. And then they would take the blood of that lamb and wipe it or brush it onto the doorposts on the top of the door. And then the angel of death would pass over and they would be saved from the punishment. 
Do you hear the emphasis here? Look deeper into it. In John chapter 1, verse 29, Jesus is approaching John the Baptist, and the, the verse says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, it's deeper, right? The blood, the sacrifice, it, it's been rooted in the whole Bible. And so now, here we, here we go, right? We're, we're at a time where God says, okay, we're, we're sacrificing these animals, but I've got a plan, a permanent plan, a permanent solution for redemption for the children who have sinned. Perfect blood shed for the redemption of man. And so now, we know that we probably know the story. If you don't, let me quick sum it up for you. He dies. His blood is shed, but then because he's God, three days later, he raises from the dead. Raises from the dead. Think of that like the check clearing, right? When Jesus died, he wrote the check. Three days later, it hits the account confirmed. The redemption is paid for. Yeah, you like that analogy? I came up with that on the spot. And what that means is that now we are forgiven. Forgiveness. This payment means our sins are forgiven. Think about this. You're in a courtroom. You're on trial. You done messed up big time. You committed a very bad crime, okay? You deserve life in prison. In some states, maybe the death sentence even, right? You messed up bad, okay? And, and you're about to get sentenced. You know you're guilty. All the evidence is stacked against you. And then somebody you've never even met before walks through the doors. They've never committed a crime. And they say, kill me instead. Kill me instead. They can go. You've never, you don't even know them. It's crazy, right? You, we don't deserve it. The wages of sin is death. We do not deserve the forgiveness we've been given. But we have it anyway. That's mind-blowing. Insanity. And it all stems from the last part, and that is grace. Grace means that this redemption is a free gift. No payment, no interest, nothing free gift to you. Nothing required on your part. We cannot redeem ourselves. It is a gift given by God. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Man, just, just think about that for a second. How amazing and how incredible that is. Like, it, it just, it, it's something else, right? I mean, if, you, if you've heard me teach for any few number of times, you know that, you know, I can get a little passionate when I'm up here teaching, right? I get a little Pentecostal, if you will, all right, if you know what that means. But this, it's just more. It's so much more. All the teachings in the Bible are important, but this is the one 
Without this, it's meaningless. Without Jesus' redemption, our lives, the, everything is meaningless, worthless, nothing. But this, this gives it all meaning, gives it all significance, makes everything important, changes everything, the course of history and our lives in its entirety. It's that important. It's life-changing, right? Thanks to Jesus, we have fulfillment. So what now? What do we do now? This is crazy, right? I mean, like, it makes me want to dance like Johnny. It's so crazy, right? It's awesome. It's so important. So how do we respond? What do we do? Without getting too much into next week, Let's focus on how can we respond right now, and that's to be deeply thankful and praise God. And I don't mean thankful like, hey, thanks for the sweater, Grandma. That's a nice gift. No, like the most thankful you've ever been because of how significant it is. And when I say praise God, let me present you with a challenge. In just a minute, we're going to do some discussion questions. And after we do those discussion questions, we're going to do more worship like we always do, right? And if you're someone who uh, is not like a big worshiper, let me challenge you in a couple ways. So first, let's say you're not familiar with this story at all. You've never heard this before. First, I would encourage you to pray. Maybe pray, God, I don't really know you. I, I feel like I've never really known you before, but man, I really want to. What you did for me is crazy. I want to know you. And maybe you do know God. And so maybe you're the person who kind of stands in the back of the room and it's like, and you just, you know, you kind of go in the motions. You don't really say very much. I would challenge you to try a little more to connect with God when you praise. I don't know exactly what that looks like for you. I'm not going to say you have to put your hands in the air and run around the room or anything like that, right? But I mean, push yourself a little bit. Get out of your comfort zone. Put your hands up a little bit. Or do the, my fish was this big hands hold, right? Something. Sing a little bit. Take a moment to say, God, you're amazing. You changed my life forever. You are incredible. And so you know what? I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to praise you like I've never praised you before. I would encourage you to do that when we do some singing after this. So go ahead and take some time now and go through the discussion questions with your table. Well, you would think and feel like we've pretty much gone through the gospel at this point, right? Talked about the creation, our sin, and then the best part, redemption. But it's really not over. There's more. And the more is awesome. So make sure you're back next week because Johnny's going to be talking to us about the more. And it's wonderful and it's awesome. And so I hope this week that you will have the opportunity to just really praise God and really be super thankful and just enjoy that wonderful freedom of redemption.